With the rise of plastic pollution around the planet, many start to wonder how we got here, who is to blame, and how can this be fixed. In this episode, we will cover the world's biggest polluters of plastic and the tactics they use to shift blame and responsibility to anyone but themselves. Much like the oil and gas industry, who created the term carbon footprint to place responsibility for climate change on lifestyles of the individual, the plastic industry, which just happens to include oil and gas, has created pseudo-environmentalist astroturf tactics to convince world citizens that the colossal problem of plastic pollution and the inevitable microplastic pandemic has been perpetuated and perpetrated by each and every one of us. The reality is that a handful of companies contribute a vast proportion of the global plastic pollution through their lowest cost possible corporate ideologies, their staunch opposition to public policy that can incentivize solutions to pollution, and their absolute refusal to change. To start off, we'll be looking into the worst plastic polluter of all, the Coca-Cola company. Operating under the Berkshire Hathaway corporate umbrella, the Coca-Cola company makes and distributes over 200 beverage brands around the world and boasts an annual revenue of over $40 billion. They themselves admit to generating 6.6 billion pounds of plastic waste every year, which makes you question what they don't admit to. Let's take a look at their current sustainability goals. Their first goal is to make 100% of their packaging recyclable by the year 2025. Currently, they're at 90%, but the rate of recyclables that are actually recycled are consistently estimated below 10% and dropping. By 2030, they have a goal of 25% of their global product being served in reusable packaging. Keep in mind, this includes fountain packaging, so it's not really indicative of people who are buying their product. Their next goal is to collect and recycle a bottle or can for each they sell by the year 2023. There has been no update to this. We have no idea what the rate is that they're collecting these bottles or cans, if they've reached it by uh, this year. Another goal is to bring people together to support a healthy, debris-free environment. Besides not really meaning anything, it's an example of placing responsibility again onto the public, onto the consumer. The publication of these goals, none of What they've written includes any definition of terms that they use, details about how each will be achieved, the degree to which their goals will lead to the absolute reduction of plastic going to the environment, or the expected impact on the vast collection of plastic already in the environment. In fact, a 2022 report from the Conservation Law Foundation shows that the company rarely achieves their sustainability goals. For example, Coca-Cola made the promise that their plastic bottles would be made of 25% recycled material by 1990. And as of 2022, that number is only 10%, but now they're promising 50% by the year 2030. And at the 2020 World Economic Forum, the listeners might know how I feel about the World Economic Forum, uh, a collection of uh, liars and worms in Davos, Switzerland, who like to... Uh, talk about how great they are, but a Coca-Cola spokesperson at the uh, forum 
refused to abandon plastic bottles with the CEO admitting that they have no plans for even reducing plastic use. Spokesperson went on to say that the plastic bottles are, quote, popular with customers and that ditching plastic could alienate customers. Nick, you drink a lot of soda pop? Uh, no, not, not particularly. No. I can't imagine changing the plastic packaging would really uh, piss a lot of people off. I'm not, I don't quite buy the alienation uh, narrative there. Yeah. That they're looking out for their customers. It's obviously for cost savings and because it's easy for them. It's definitely not <laughs> because everyone's like, man, I really want to drink this Coke out they, of a plastic They better bottle. never change this. Yeah. They better never change this two liter plastic bottle. If I do drink a soda, I honestly prefer it out of a glass bottle or an aluminum can. I'm not aluminum even, can. Yeah, not like, even trying to be <laughs> like, if I just objectively had to choose, I'd be like, Oh, I'd much rather prefer aluminum. Yeah. yeah. The next company we'll be talking about is the largest food and beverage corporation in North America. And the second largest in the world, that company is PepsiCo. Some of these PepsiCo products you all might be familiar with obviously include Pepsi, Gatorade, and Rockstar. Overall, they've generated $86 billion in net revenue in 2022. Through their various brands, PepsiCo sells approximately 60 billion plastic bottles each year, which equates to 2.3 billion tons of plastic. These numbers made PepsiCo responsible for Responsible for about 10% of all global plastic pollution. Unfortunately, PepsiCo is not using these billions of dollars to curtail this plastic problem that they are creating. This is made extremely clear in their latest ESG report. Firstly, they're taking aim to make all packaging recyclable, compostable, biodegradable, or reusable. They have only increased 1% from their 2021 numbers to their 2022 numbers from 87% to 88%. Uh, and just like thinking about this goal specifically, it just kind of blows my mind. They haven't just given themselves credit up to 100% because that's a lot of different criteria that they could be checking the box for, you know, to make it recyclable, compostable, biodegradable, or reusable. Like it's that yeah. or that really <laughs> for me, yeah, it's like, come I mean, on, that makes it so easy. I feel like in their mind, I, yeah, well, you can only <laughs> lie so much. Right? <laughs> right. Who's going to believe that? That's what, yeah. Like why don't I, I'm surprised they're not lying more yeah. here. <laughs> I'm sure that's not, you know, indicative also <laughs> the 88%. Yeah. Uh, their next goal is to increase the amount of recycled content in their plastic packaging to 50% uh, from 2021 to 2022. They increased from 6% to 7%. So again, only a 1% increase again. And then this is just in recycled content in their plastic packaging. Uh, I don't, I really, again, don't feel like it's that hard of a thing to do, Uh and then again, for me, this is just still not really helping the problem in the long run because we're still using plastic. Their next goal is to target virgin or to reduce their virgin plastics derived from non-renewable sources 
resources. Uh, their goal is for a 20% reduction by 2023, and they are only at 11%, and we are very much in 2023. Yeah, we're... We're pretty much done with 2023. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to make that up. Yeah. And again, this is the same point as last one. They're still using plastic at the end of the day. If the plastic bottle doesn't make it to the recycle center, it's going into the environment. It doesn't matter if it's virgin or recycled plastic. It still has the same effects. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not even quite sure what it means derived from non-renewable resources. Right. So, so it's like they could i mean they could mean i don't i like it makes it means nothing to me because it, <laughs> it there's no like definition that they include with it yeah it, it, and the next goal is pretty much the same thing uh it's to reduce the use of virgin plastic from non-renewable resources per serving across pepsico's global beverages and convenient foods portfolio so there's a lot of corporate jargon in there you know it's their what they consider their global beverages and convenient food portfolio so it's probably whatever is the easiest ones for them to change uh, they're aiming for a 50 percent reduction and they are currently at two percent so even though they're you know stacking the deck in their favor they're still not making these goals i'm surprised they've published how poorly <laughs> they're they're standing up to their own goal, like their own definitions of these goals. Yeah, it, it, it is kind of mind blowing. I honestly think it's for probably investing purposes, because I think that's kind of a big thing that people look at now is that uh -huh. does this company provide an ESG report? Like cause people, it like makes them feel good. Like, oh, they're they're looking at their environmental impact. When in reality, their Pepsi's environmental impact is just exactly the same. They're just showing you how shitty they're doing. Yeah, and they have these goals that they're, you know, they say they're working towards. We don't know how hard. Yeah, and as we've been saying, they haven't really met any of their goals, but Pepsi's pretty pretty excited about this new report, this new ESG report, uh, and they've even given it a special name. It's their Pep Plus program uh, that they're, 0 for 4 on, so good start. Nestle is another company that produces a ton of plastic waste. They produce 1.7 million tons of plastic waste every year. Uh, their primary sustainability goal is to produce all of their plastic packaging from recycled material. Currently, they're at 81% trying to get to 95% by the year 2025. Yeah, so not only is... Uh nestle stealing water from people from public sources they're also ensuring that they're adding tons of plastic to the environment each year <laughs> uh yeah i believe they also benefit from slave labor child slave labor in ivory coast <laughs> just a a plus they're, company all around <laughs> i mean yeah there's not much good you can say about this company Moving on, we're going to briefly talk about ExxonMobil. Uh, every year, ExxonMobil produces 9.2 million metric tons of polyethylene used in type 2 plastics, so that's your HDPE, and type 4 plastics, which is your LDPE, so high-density polyethylene and low-density polyethylene. 
They've recently been subpoenaed by the state of California to provide information relating to the company's historic and ongoing efforts to minimize the public's understanding of the harms of plastic. So this to me is just global warming all over again. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. This is the tie to the oil and gas industry. They're doing the exact same thing with these plastics, which, you know, they're petroleum based, uh, that they did with burning fossil fuels and, and yeah, climate change. Yeah. It's all the same playbook. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just sounds exactly the same that they've known about the issues and the harm of plastic for, you know, way back when, but they, they bury this information. So no one in the uh, public eye actually knows or, the people that do know and try and put stuff out, they just get buried in lawsuits by companies like ExxonMobil. So with all these corporate goals of collecting cans and bottles and using more recycled material in their products, you may think that these companies would be proponents of efforts and policies that are proven to raise recycling rates for the public. Well, you would be mistaken. The companies we've talked about actively fight policies like Uh, bottle return bills that would return a portion of the cost paid by the consumer after an empty bottle is returned to be recycled. So you've seen it, Nick. I'm sure the listeners have seen it. The on aluminum cans, the top of the can, it's got, you know, 10 cents, five cents, and then the state next to it where what states you can return it to for that deposit uh, amount. In fact, Organizations such as the Georgia Recycling Coalition that receive these what I call PR donations from these uh, soda beverage companies operate under the expectation that if they show support for these bottle deposit policies, it'll ultimately result in them losing future donations from those companies that are really causing this problem. Which, is again, is just this part of their playbook. This is how they keep things the way that they are and play right into the hands of these polluters. And it's all it's all because operating costs, to keep operating costs lower. We we mentioned it at the beginning of the episode, this lowest cost possible ideology that all these companies share. They don't want to invest in the infrastructure it takes to actually recycle this material and to to build a circular economy. It's all uh kind of Greenwashing. I mean, like that's mm-hmm. that's the only word for it. They they sit. They have these publications where they say how much they support these uh, these ideals of reusing material, but they don't. They're not willing at all to invest the money unless they absolutely have to. Right. And the craziest part about opposing these bottler bills and bottle return systems is that it that shifts the. The cost really on the consumer because uh, here in Mass, as I go buy a 12-pack of anything in an aluminum can, I pay 60 extra cents. And I get that 60 extra cents back as I take it to the bottle return center. So it's just crazy that they are completely against anything like this. Uh, But are we all surprised? No. (laughs) But moving on, in 1953, the plastic pollutant producers and polluters created keep america beautiful 
an organization dedicated to educating the public on their responsibility to keep communities clean rather than hold corporations accountable for minimizing the impact of industry. There, uh, you've probably seen the ads for this, right? This is like the um, the, the they're like really iconic ads. The I don't, I don't know how to be uh, <laughs> PC or the, the, the American Indian crying. You know that one, yep. right? I think that is Keep America Beautiful. Oh, really? Yeah, it is. The crying. It's called the Crying Indian, and I'm sure people listening, if you Google it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But that was created by this uh, front group by these companies to to guilt people for littering, essentially, when it's their waste that's produced because they aren't willing to use any other materials and they're not willing to uh, take on cost of reusing anything. Coca-Cola has only recently given up its opposition to deposit systems, but only in Europe, where the European Commission announced that all member states must collect 90% of bottles by 2029, a goal that can literally only be achieved with the deposit system in place to incentivize customers to return empty containers. Coke has committed to investing $65 million in partnerships to increase recycling infrastructure and collection, which is a lot of money unless you're the Coca-Cola company. Okay, greenwashing. I mentioned greenwashing. I'm you're listening to this podcast i'm sure you know what greenwashing is and i think nick has actually done some in-depth episodes on it when we talk about plastic greenwashing the scale and the nature of this plastic pollution has made it impossible to manage this waste without somehow impacting other aspects of our environment and when companies tout these management methods without acknowledging the negative impacts that are associated that's another part of greenwashing For example, in low- and middle-income countries, very few choices exist for plastic waste management. So it's estimated that 1 billion Coke bottles are burned or dumped every year in the Philippines alone. Burning bottles, of course, leads to the emission of toxic fumes from that plastic poisoning the air. And one plastic reduction method that the industry really collectively boasts and invests in is Refuse-derived fuel, or RDF, which is made from processed waste dug out of landfills and turned into fuel pellets. And this is especially popular with cement industries in developing companies. But burning RDF is the equivalent of burning plastic, which, as we mentioned, releases a a variety of very potent toxic chemicals into the air. And while technology does exist to mitigate those emissions... Keep in mind that technology is not common and the regulations requiring that kind of abatement often don't exist in the countries where RDF is used. Not only that, but RDF really does nothing to prevent plastic waste from being produced. And it can actually obstruct real recycling efforts by creating a dependency of RDF as a fuel source for industries within these countries. Yeah, I mean, that's just crazy talk if we're just gonna burn the plastic as fuel like yeah of course yeah <laughs> i mean it sounds so silly but yeah that's gonna cause exactly what you said a dependency that, that's exactly what we're trying to get away from is this dependency on plastic uh, yeah and and to be honest like these companies claim it as like it uh 
a cleaner fuel than fossil fuels because it's not fossil fuels. It, do, it has nothing to do with like how damaging it actually is. They'll, they'll count it as um, probably not a biofuel or anything, but like, but like alternative fuel, right? right? Like, cause everybody's obsessed with cutting fossil fuels, which, you know, we should do, but it's important to know that like there's other fuels out there that are worse so unfortunately, most countries are not doing enough to combat this plastic problem and are even furthering the issue. China has produced 60 million tons of plastic waste annually. While China has previously been the hub for plastic recycling, they implemented the National Sword Policy. This policy was implemented to reduce the importation of low-quality plastics that are hard to sort, recycle, and were accumulating at their recycling centers. Before this policy, only 9% of the plastic was recycled and 12% of it was burned. For the United States, this policy has caused the recycling centers to struggle with the 42 million tons of plastic generated each year. They want to combat plastic pollution through circular approaches across the life cycle of plastic, environmentally sound waste management, and trade-friendly policies that increase reuse, recycling, and recovery of plastic. It's just crazy to think that all these solutions put forward have not been implemented even in the first place. Uh, you know, you, th- you would think that we recognize that these products are in our economy. We should have some sort of a plan for what we're going to do with it after, not just yeah. uh, as good as shipping it to China and forgetting about it is. Uh, <laughs> so it's yeah. I mean, like, when you think about it like that, it's hard to blame China for their plastic problem. Right. In my mind, like, and this is, this is a point that's been made by other people for sure. But like countries like, like China and like India that make everything right. Mm-hmm. Make everything that's sold in, in the U S it's not fair to like hold them to the, the, the same, uh, standard of of where they are now because you know they're not do they don't live the same materialistic lifestyle materialistic (laughs) lifestyle but yeah like just in general we've outsourced all of our manufacturing and all of our our really environmentally damaging uh industry to these countries and then yeah, like you said, we just forget about it. Like, and then when we when we find out how they're doing, we criticize them, even though we don't have a plan for how to deal with any of the waste that we make here. Right, and I'm sure that there was some critique for China for putting this policy in place too. I just didn't see it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the last country we're going to talk about is actually Canada, who's recently started to tackle their plastic pollution problem. Uh, So typically they were generating around 3 million tons of plastic waste each year, but they have recently brought forward a ban on single-use plastics that includes checkout bags, cutlery, food service wares, ring carrier stir sticks, and straws. So like, I feel like that is quite a few of the big um, single-use plastics that we think of uh, and see a lot of in our environment. So I really think that that ban would be a good thing to kind of see rolled out worldwide. Will it happen? Probably not. 
Um, but I mean, that just really brings us to a couple questions. It's like, why won't these governments do more? Do these companies have the government on their payroll? Uh, next episode, we will tackle these questions and more. This has been Poisoned for Profits. We hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, our social medias and some articles we used in this episode will be linked in the show notes. A lot of eye-opening stuff here. I mean, there. This it's just like uh, an ocean of information on the shit we do really bad <laughs> when it comes to plastics and plastic waste. An ocean of information put forward like just freely by these companies. I feel like normally they'd be clamoring to hide it, but they're just showing how terrible they are. It's all. I mean, it's like sort of overwhelming though. Like nobody's looking into this really hard, and people may or may not listen to to this or or seek out the information that's out there. But uh, I mean, it's definitely. I mean, it's no surprise to us these what these companies do and 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 don't do and refuse to do. But uh, I hope you know this kind of stuff catches on and and people make decisions make good decisions with what they buy and and uh force some of these companies to finally do the right thing yeah i couldn't have said it better uh it unfortunately doesn't seem change ever comes unless people start boycotting or the government really legislation yeah well we're going to talk about that next week. Legislation, governance. So tune in. And anything else, Nick? Uh, thank you all for listening. Talk to you next time.